yet another episode of Not Your Average Netizens. My name is Nat, and I am joined by my lovely co-host, Jimin. Hello. And Ash. Hey, y'all. So, I'll start with what are we listening to? Well, for me, um, not a whole lot, because uh, my life's been kind of busy, but I guess this week I've been listening to a bit of Everglow, so um, their most recent stuff, and also some 2PM. And then in addition to that, obviously, like Western artists like Lizzo, Little Mix, um, Summer Walker, and um, yeah, that's it. Uh, what about you, Jimin? What are you listening to? Okay, you guys already know I've been listening to the Moving Too Fast because that's what I'm doing every day. I'm just moving so fast. Yes. Um, it's song of the year, honestly. I don't I don't see anything beating that. I've been listening to Key one of those nights. I don't know if I said this last episode. I think I did. But I'm just now starting to realize how much I like that song. So I've been listening to that. I've been going, digging back and listening to... I did like a whole shiny listening spree yesterday. So I listened. I mean, I went, I went to like some of their more... I guess Married to the Music is not a deep cut. But it's a song that I don't listen to a lot. So I listen to Married to the Music. I listen to, of course, I listen to View. I always listen to View. Um, I listen to the live. Everybody, every Shawal knows what I'm talking about when I say this. I listen to the Shiny World 4 version of Replay. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I think that's the main stuff I listen. In terms of Western music, honestly, I'm listening to whatever the kids are listening to on the radio these days. <laughs> that's like the stuff. I can't think of any... Thing that stands out that I listened to recently that was oh of course that Selena Gomez song but oh okay I actually do have two songs to add to that that I've been listening to okay there's a song called Real Real by a group called Sleigh Bells nobody knows what I'm talking about when I say the name of the song but if you if anybody remembers when the iPhone 5C first came out mm-hmm there was a song in that commercial that kind of went viral. This was back in like 2014. It kind of went viral um, because it was so good. And that's the song Real Real by Slay Bells. And I have no clue what that song is about. People used to say it was about drugs. <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> you know, those types of like indie kind of band songs, you never know what they're about. They're always talking about nonsense. So I've been listening to that. And yes, that has been what I've been listening to. Next. Uh, yeah, so I actually have been listening to Summer Walker. Uh, I really like uh, playing games and I really like Girls Need... I actually really love Girls Need Love. Um, and I've been slowly going through her new album. Hopefully she gets that number one. Because uh, there's that cute video of her and Ari Lennox sort of yeah. like interviewing each other for Billboard. And they're so cute. I actually like... for. I want to like Ari Lennox, but I think her voice is a bit too gravelly for me. Um, but hopefully, you know, I'll try some other songs from her and that will work too. Uh, who else have I been listening to? Still a lot of Little Mix. Not gonna lie. Little Mix! Yeah, LM5 is like the best thing ever. So, And they've been on tour promoting it. So I've been 
sort of watching like a lot of live shows and stuff like that, hoping that they perform some more, like they change it up and perform more of my favorite songs off the album. But that's that for, I think for Western music, that's probably about it. Uh, in terms of K-pop, I've been listening to Still Dreamcatcher with um, Deja Vu and Silent Night, which is a bop. I've been listening to uh, Super M, of course, <laughs> Too Fast and No Manners. Uh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, so y- you know how on YouTube, like, they make playlists out of, like, your most listen to songs so like i have a whole bunch of k-pop ones of course so <laughs> i've been listening to that like especially at work you know when i'm like in a zone and i randomly came across uh beast fiction and it kind of set me on like a spiral and i was listening to like a lot of big bang haru haru and like obviously like tell me goodbye which i absolutely adore uh monster things like that and there was who else was on that? I think like um some super junior, but like newer super junior, <laughs> like devil and like their Latin pop stuff, which is good. And yeah, I think that's about it. Uh lots of uh music to check out. Yes, yeah, so our first topic is G Dragon is getting out of the army soon so Kwan Jiung also known as G-Dragon leader of Big Bang is going to be released from the army uh anybody but me excited about this <laughs> I am just because I want to know what's going to be happening with Big Bang I mean or I mean I, I feel like G-Dragon is probably gonna do like some solo stuff first like yeah. after he's had some time out to like just you know do his own thing or whatever i feel like he's gonna do some solo stuff first and then after that if the remaining members of the group decide to regroup then that would be the time that we would see something from them but i feel like in the interim that he might reveal you know somebody is bound to ask him and you know he'll respond and say either yeah that's in the cards or no, or he'll give some sort of lukewarm answer that doesn't really reveal anything. But I feel like he'll either say yes or or no in some way. So, well, you know, I've never been too excited about G Dragon. He's never been one of my favorite people. But I did see the um, pictures at his sister's wedding. And I will say there was something about that, like seeing those, like seeing the pictures and seeing how he looked in those and all that, that made me feel like, hmm. So <laughs> I think I think that I, I'm kind of interested a little bit. I don't know where this random interest is coming from. It is out of nowhere. I was like, oh, it, let me figure out what what's he what he's gonna do next. And so. Um, yeah, I'll keep my eyes peeled. I mean, look at what happened with me and Beckham. I thought Beckham was never, ever going. I would never say his name. And now it's just like another day. You know what I mean? So you never know. Oh, yes. As I said, I am excited. And not just for his solo stuff, but obviously to see if the group is going to get back together. Because sung and Taeyang still have some time left, but they should be finishing up shortly, too. So we should have four members. Hopefully, I think by next year, right? Because they all kind of went 
around the same, they sort of staggered in around the same time. So I'm excited. I did see, I did hear something or see something on Twitter about Top releasing music or like teasing music. I don't know if that's trash. There was um, some rumors, but it was more like it was a cryptic kind of thing on his Instagram that people kind of looked at and was like, oh, this might be teasing music, but he hasn't officially like announced anything. Okay, next. Huna has launched her YouTube channel, which we talked about last episode, and she's gearing up for her first comeback under P Nation. And I think uh, that Sai has, oh no, I, I think I saw that Sai had teased like a clip of the video. Uh, so what do you guys think? You think Huna is going to be able to come back after uh, her many, many scandals? Yes. Since she left Q? Yeah, definitely. Oh, and pretty okay. easily and pretty flawlessly. I think that, I don't, I, do I think she's going to get like suddenly like, a lot a lot of attention necessarily not really but i do think she's gonna be able to easily like reintegrate herself into society we've gotten used to her and edon's antics so okay she'll get plenty of attention i mean netizens k netizens especially will rip her apart as always but then they'll give her plenty of attention as always so it's all publicity that. is good publicity if your name is yana yeah yeah. yeah, I guess uh, I wasn't sure to be honest. <laughs> Mostly because her her tracks have been like on a slow decline in general with Cube. Um, just because you I mean she's getting older and you know f- fewer fans, and I think she did sort of lose a bit of a fan base when she and uh, um, Four Minute broke up. <laughs> Especially since like the other members seem to not really like her anymore. (laughs) So I don't know. I feel like she lost a bit of fans there. So I wasn't sure if she was going to have the fortitude to sort of reclaim that glory that she had at her peak. But yeah, I'm excited to see where she goes. And, you know, if being with Sai helps her. Uh, So the next subject is Anga and Rich Brian, who used to go by Rich Chiga. And their song, These Nights, drops. And uh, it looks like it's getting a lot of really positive feedback. But we all do have to remember Rich Chiga, who um, famously said the N-word in his song, That Stick. And also his name is a play on the N-word as well, even though he is 100% Asian and, you know, not even from the U.S., he's I think he's like Filipino or from Thailand. He's from Southeast Asia. Uh, So let me just double check that because I know the listeners will fact check and be like, yeah, no, he's from this country. No, Indonesia definitely he's from Indonesia roast, roast us you know what when they hear this episode and they hear earlier how I kept saying uh k-flying tigers I'm like no it's actually k-tiger zero well I was co-signing it so <laughs> uh so uh he did an interview with Fader in 2016 and they asked him about his being criticized for using the n-word in that stick and he, because he said he was going to stop using it. And basically he said, it was honestly a pretty hard decision. When I actually put the N word in my song, I was like, should I effing do this? It 
it's a big thing. A lot of people would probably be offended by this. But then when I started building up the courage to do it, I was like, F it. Let's F and go hard or go home. And I wanted to do it in every effing song and shit. But then I feel like after the song was released, having that statement with that song, I felt like that was enough. I just don't really want to offend more people. And I don't want to have to explain myself every time, I guess. And then they asked him, what's your belief on the usage of the word? And he had the gal to open his mouth and say, I'm all about context. Like, dude, what? You're not black. So why? Like, where's the context even coming from? But he said, and I quote, I wouldn't say it around African-American people if I don't know them. I would definitely try to avoid saying it at all times. But at the same time, it's like, this is something Tyler, the creator, also said. He feels like it's just a word. And if you take the power out of it, it doesn't mean anything. I wasn't sure it was going to completely change people's minds about the word with that song. But, you know, I wasn't completely sure if it was going to work out. I just want to part. I just wanted to participate, I guess. My plan was like, when people listen to the song, maybe they're going to be like, oh, wait, he said the F in N word. But then they're like, oh, shit, whatever. It's a good song. That was my plan. For me, the use of the N word, I personally avoid saying it. But yeah, my intention okay. was not to try to be edgy or to this like is a stand lot. Up whatever. <laughs> now you're asking me to do a lot to be quiet <laughs> while you read this. I wasn't trying to offend anyone. And he said, oh, but it, it, it gets better. So they asked him if he would take the word out, if you could. And he said, I feel like I would leave it in. I would just not say it any more of my songs. So there's a lot to unpack here. First of all, sir, F you. Uh, <laughs> because there's no context when you're not Black. And it's not just African-Americans who, you know, have had the word hurled at them in some way, shape, or form. It's pretty much Black people around the planet. You are not are not black you are not biracial you are not mixed you are indonesian sir you there's no context involved because you should not be able to say this word at all and for you to open your mouth and say like well this black person said like this thing in about context well he's not talking about you my friend and even if he was i mean there's enough people on this there's enough black people on this planet who do not want non-black people to say the word for you to take one black person and be like hey hey he's the guy who said it's okay because it's i mean okay. there are even a large amount of black people who don't want other non-descendant of slave black yeah. people saying it like exactly. if you were if you're like a first generation from like nigeria in america saying the n-word somebody might have an issue with that as well because you just don't there's just no content like there's no history for you there um, so if people don't even want them saying it, what makes you think they want you to say? Well, like it's just the mental gymnastics to me. That's that's actually something like a lot of people don't talk about. I feel because um, I remember growing up, like obviously Jamaican background, Jamaican music is what I grew up on, and the N word wasn't something that was said in it. So like I don't actually say the N word. As you can see, I say the N word rather than say the actual N word. <laughs> To his point about like not taking it out, I really dislike that because, for example, I just want to use two examples, two popular examples of this. Uh, Paramore, they have um, their most famous song. They literally say the line is, you're just a whore and nothing more. They took that out. Yeah, Misery Business. They took that part out. They don't even perform that part of the song live anymore because Haley grew up and she realized how that could be um problematic as somebody who's trying to be a feminist no but i say all that to say that if these wildly popular groups 
right? I'm sure they have many more bops than Rich Rich uh, Brian does. If they can change their songs, and so I feel like there's no excuse to not take it out. Just because you don't say it, it you still left it in the song, which to me, that's kind of paradoxical. It's like you didn't do anything at all. You know what I mean? It's like if you leave it in the song, but not say it, you might as well just say it because it's like it's you left it in the song. Yeah. But um, this guy, he's a clown. He's a complete joke. The creator, I guess, whatever said to him. That's I, I really hate that because I feel like a lot of people use that logic against black people, but you never see it like in any anywhere else it's just used to invalidate black people like you never see that with um like for example if it were the other way around like if somebody um like for example this that rihanna thing we were talking about a couple weeks ago where like all of korea was like we hate rihanna because of this one thing she did to karuchi right i feel like you will never hear somebody using the logic well this one asian person wasn't offended so nobody else should be offended or it doesn't matter or it's about context you know what i mean yeah. Well, I think he he kind of tells on himself because he literally says that um, I wasn't sure I was going to completely change people's mind about the word with that song. But, you know, I wasn't completely sure if it was going to work out. I just wanted to participate, I guess. And I feel like that's what it it always stems down to. Counterculture. And cool and, cool yeah. and, and hip and edgy and they don't care about the consequences because for them, it's all about the fact that they want to be a part of it. And that trumps any sort of offensive behavior or offense that they cause. And a lot in the long run and the short run, it doesn't really matter because for them, it's like, well, I want to be hip hop. I want to be a part of the hip hop community. I don't know why you won't let me. And, you know, it just, it's, it's like, you want to be black so bad, but you actually, nobody actually wants to be black. So it's like, yeah, it, it's a very yeah. selfish and paradoxical of point course. of view. I, I really love that quote. quote. That's probably the best thing Paul Munier said is exactly. everybody want to be black, but no, nobody wants, that's not what he said, but that, you but know, that's, that is yeah. what he said. That's pretty much right? what he said. <laughs> uh, we're not going to repeat what he said, No, but, but that is so true. And um, it's kind of sad that like, it just just hearing this is so weird to me. It's like an out of body experience. It's like, do people really think of it that way? Like, like for example, but I was watching this video on Viceland YouTube or Vice YouTube, and it was um Vice in partnership with the NBA. Oh, okay. And there's this black NBA player who went to China to play basketball, um, right out of high school, mm-hmm. and he made a comment about something that a lot of people who go to Korea make comments about, where he was saying. They will come to me and touch my skin and touch my hair to see if it was real and like really black and like, you know, really kinky or whatever, you know. And he said, but, you know, I just kind of let it roll off my shoulders. I didn't make a big deal out of it. You know, it didn't really bother me personally. I decide dumbly to read the comments on this video. (laughs) And the comment with the most likes on this video said, finally, a black person who's not so insecure that they like, you know, take offense to people like touching them, you know, touching without their skin and their consent. hair. Ooh. Yeah, without their consent, basically. And I said, could you imagine if I just went up to like a random Asian kid and start petting their hair? <laughs> could you imagine like or if you skin. just start petting somebody's <laughs> skin, you don't know this person, they're a complete stranger, and you just start petting them? Gross. Be black and do that and see what happens. All mm, kind yeah. of police are gonna be called on you. 
Exactly. And I will say, like, I've been to Beijing and it's weird how they're so obsessed with like basketball and stuff like that. So, I mean, they've seen black people, but yeah. when you actually see black people, it's just, oh my goodness. So, Rich Brian did change his name from Rich Chiga to Rich Brian. So, I guess he Progress. thought that was a good idea, but not the N word stuff. I don't know. And I don't see any sort of apology from him. Maybe he has apologized and he's learned the error of his ways and he is striving to do better. But um, I still think of him as trash for right now. So <laughs> we can just leave that at that. Next, we're going to be discussing our future bestseller, Jessica Jung, who has written a book. Very excited to hear this because I thought she had given up on herself and her career and was only going to trance around the world (laughs) and show up at like expensive store openings and fashion shows uh, since that's what she's been doing for most of the year. But no, Jessica Jung has been busy writing a book and the book has been signed with Simon Pulse. And uh, it's going to be released in the fall of 2020, which is next year. And the book is called Shine. And on top of that, they've already begun developing a film adaptation of this book, which is kind of crazy. So (laughs) it's going to be done by the team who did To All the Boys I've Loved Before. And Jessica is said to have drawn from her own personal experiences while she, she wrote the novel, which she said will examine the behind the scenes aspects of the world of K-pop in depth. So on Goodreads, there's actually like a page for this book already. Like, I, I don't know how these people do it, but they have already gotten like the full extent of it. I'm not going to read this whole thing because it's really long. So just know that there's a 17 year old like Korean American girl named Rachel Kim who has been training for the last six years uh, to be an idol. And basically it's about like the rules of being a trainee, you know, like you have to be perfect. Don't date, blah, 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 blah. But she's ready to persevere because she wants to debut and be an idol. Lo and behold, she has to work with a K-pop star and golden boy, Jason Lee. And now Rachel has to, I guess she's caught in between a dude and her career. And so that's sort of like the plot of the story, which is not anything fresh or new. Let's be real. I mean, it's something we've seen a lot in any type of fiction. It doesn't have to be K-pop. It's, it's, it's just a common sort of trope that's been around. Uh, but she, I'm excited. And apparently it's a two part, she, it's a two book deal. So She's probably already working on the sequel. And yeah, I mean, a lot of people are saying that uh, they think that this is going to be her tell-all because she can't actually do an autobiography and like talk about SM, like the real truth about SME because she'd probably get sued. But if she says it's fiction and this is like just a fictionalized version of, you know, K-pop world, you know, as I experienced it and as, you know, people know it, it's really it's going to be really hard for them to sort of say like, oh, this is about us and this is offensive and we want to sue her for this money. So I'm going to be interested to see how <laughs> if there's any, going to be any Easter eggs in this story or how um, she she 
writes about her experience as an idol through this Rachel Kim. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts about it? I mean, oh, gosh. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I hope that, I mean, I want to know if the whole, like, love story is relevant to Jessica or if it's just, like, created to cause, like, um, conflict in the movie. Or, like, is that actually going to be in the book? Or It's was in the that- book. So this okay. is all about the book so far. Like, the movie started development, oh. but it's not, we don't know what's going to happen with the movie so far. Oh, okay. So she's doing this as like purely a fiction novel, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I got you. I mean, I think um, I don't. I think it will. It will go well for her. Um, I don't. I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea. I do think that getting the uh, all the to all the boys I loved people involved. You said the producer, right? Yes, it was Glass Town Entertainment. Um, and they're working with Matt Kaplan of Ace Entertainment, which I guess they're the ones who did the uh, To All the Boys I've Loved Before. And I guess they're really? sequels too. Yeah. Did they like, are you talking, so were they, were they part of like... Oh, well, Matt Kaplan, who's the founder of Ace Entertainment, he was a producer on To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Yikes. Okay, that's yeah. what I was worried about. Yeah. Because... I don't remember thinking that to all the boys I loved before was like outstanding. I, I thought it was like it was good for them kids, and and maybe to some extent that's what she's going for with this. It's it's I mean it's a concept that I feel like depending on how you do it, it you can very easily like make it more mature. But like deal when I say more mature, I mean like deal with like real issues instead of like teen angst or whatever. But if it goes how I think it's gonna go, it feels like it's gonna be like a regular teen drama with k-pop elements and i don't know if it's actually gonna spill any tea because i just don't see it being that like bold to do that a lot of ya stuff isn't like that anyway like that bold to like really get into some of like the darker themes which in k-pop there's a lot of darker themes okay well i don't know if you've ever read um tiny pretty things and the sequel shiny broken pieces uh, it's by Daniel Clayton and a co-writer. I can't remember the other lady's name, but I'll look it up because I feel that's rude just to only say one. Uh, Sonia uh, Cherai Potra. I hope I didn't butcher her name. Uh, but it takes place in like uh, a ballet school in New York, which is like crazy competitive. And it like because it's told from like multiple points of view, they have like a black dancer, they have an Asian dancer, they have white dancers. And it's it does deal with like dark issues of like drugs and eating disorders and like insecurities and like all this like crazy, crazy batshit stuff that happens in in these in the ballet world. And it also but it also kind of stays grounded to the fact that these are like kids who don't know anything (laughs) and they're still trying to figure things out. So I hope that it it takes elements from that story i mean i i doubt jessica actually wrote this book (laughs) just because i i mean i don't know maybe she she's been writing for a very long time and we don't know about it but i've never heard of anybody commenting about her being that great at writing uh so (laughs) it could be that she wrote she wrote this with somebody who's an actual author and you know they're probably really good at it and they helped her shape this book with using her ideas and things and you know 
hopefully it does um, touch on the darker elements, as you mentioned, and tries to keep it real in a lot of places or as real as it can, um, I should say, because, I, you know, you still want to have a happy ending of sorts <laughs> at the end. You can't have like a dark, depressing story and like everybody dies, you know, like. <laughs> Why not, gonna, though? Why not? Because you want to make a movie and you want people to have happy thoughts after the movie because that means they're going to come back and watch it again. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so that was (laughs) Shine will be on your bookshelves next year. Next, we have Brown Eyed Girls are coming back to save K-pop. So Brown Eyed Girls, the longest running K-pop girl group with no member changes. (laughs) Cough, cough. Uh, They have actually uh just opened their uh ig account because they didn't have one before which i mean fair enough uh and they have mentioned that like in passing before that they were gonna come back but everyone was like yeah yeah we'll believe it when we see it and apparently it's gonna happen so uh, they said they're gonna drop their new album on october 28th and it's gonna be called revive we don't really know what's going to be on this album or what's going on, but if it's anything like basic, which was fantastic, uh, I'm sure it's going to be also like just amazing and wonderful and a bop. So next, uh, Twice discusses mental health as a main topic for their their mini album that they just dropped uh, with the main single being uh, Feel Special. So I think we did watch that maybe a couple episodes ago. Uh, K-pop Powerhouse Twice opens up about how their new album is more personal than ever. So on this mini, they basically, when they were going into pre-production, they sat down with JYP and they were, and he was like trying to figure out like what was going on with their lives. And pretty much the girls are tired, which is understandable because Twice doesn't seem like they get a break they're carrying JYP on their backs at this point uh, because they make the most money and that means that they have to be busy all the time. If it's not in Korea, it's in Japan. If it's not in Japan, it's in the world, the rest of the world. So it's like, you know, they don't really have much time to be personal. And then Jihyo, the leader, had the scandal, quote unquote, where it came out that she's dating Kang Daniel of 101 fame. And, and then on top of that, we have Mina, who was diagnosed with anxiety and is taking a break from the group. So basically, um, with Feel Special, the the la- main lyrics are, you make me feel special no matter how the world brings me down, even where her full words stab me. Uh, and they said that during this dinner with JYP, they shared their feelings about grappling with the pressures of fame. And so the, t- the title track really is about their stories and, you know, how they are feeling down in Sahad and, and just this overwhelming sort of sense of, I wouldn't say despair, but it seems like they're just mostly really tired <laughs> and they need like that month long or two month break that bts took twice definitely needs it and so they actually also participated in songwriting for this album which is surprising because i didn't think that twice had it in them to write anything not shade at all i swear <laughs> but they didn't seem like 
artist artists in the same way that a lot of like JYP artists tend to. Um, they seem like actually the, the most manufactured group in JYP. Uh, so uh like some of the quotes from like the article were like since we were getting a lot of love from fans that means that we have to try to meet their expectations and this is mentally giving the members a very hard time uh and so you know they it's not just you know specific groups who talk about the issues of mental health and just the issues of you know what people their age go through uh we we see like there's other groups in the industry who you know are are exploring their own personal lives and their insecurities in their music and i like to see personally like more people talking about how these other idols are are displaying personal music as well too and they're not doing it because it's expected it's because it's their brand they're doing it because you know it's something that feels natural as a musician as an artist and so yeah, I, I kudos to, to Twice. I mean, I really, I do like Twice. I not, I don't like all of their songs, and I'm not like a, a once. I think is the name of their fandom, but I do really like. There's some songs that I love from Twice, and I, I did watch Sixteen, and I like the girls, and they almost seem like, you know, they they had good head on their shoulders. So I hope that they take a break. Uh, but I hope that they continue exploring themselves in their music and not relying so much on JYP to write their music. Uh, I guess I'll mention that BTS are in the Middle East right now. They're performing at Saudi Arabia. And I think they just broke some record uh, for like the most tickets sold, I guess, at, their, at some stadium in Saudi Arabia. It says basically that they made history as the first foreign act to hold a solo stadium concert in Saudi Arabia. Which I feel like probably because people keep pulling out of the country (laughs) because of its human rights uh, violations or alleged human rights violations. I feel like that's probably why they have this record. So I don't know if that's a record that they want to have, but I just, yeah, no, I completely agree. Like, that's like saying um, I ran a race and i ran it all alone and i was number one like yeah. i finished first <laughs> like well duh <laughs> tell us something we don't know imagine if you you came in second <laughs> <laughs> but that is actually like a good segue to the next topic which is kind of like our main topic it's called the mastermind behind bts opened up about making of k-pop juggernaut and it's basically about hitman then Chi Hyuk, who is the founder and co-CEO of Big Hit Entertainment. And they ask him a lot of questions about BTS success and, you know, how they were developed and, you know, how, like, the secrets of their success and the future of BTS. And I thought there was, like, a lot of interesting parts of it. Did you... um, Is it okay if I, like, read, I guess, some of the more interesting things in it? Or... Yes, please, elaborate. Okay. (laughs) Uh, well, I like that he seems a bit humble in the article because they ask, you know, about obviously like the difference between the West and K-pop and like, you know, which is better or like, why did, why is it BTS out of all the groups who have, you know, like opened this market up, which I think is kind of not fair to say, because I feel like they took advantage of the fact that the door was already open more so than they opened the door. Um, 
but they i have something to say about that i yeah i feel like maybe the door was open like halfway and they opened it the rest of the way <laughs> maybe I, that is more of an an adequate allegory so uh he says that i guess a key factor of bts's success is loyalty built through direct contact with fans which i do think is 100% accurate because bts they are so relatable because they're always put in contact Continent. out there yeah they literally do the most lives out of any like yeah. i'm literally like always looking out for different things that other groups do that i like yeah. um and i'm like they don't post the other groups that i like don't post nearly as much as BTS. like no bts is every time you look up and it's not just there like i said it's not just the stuff that they do on like official like you know movies or whatever but it's also like something as simple as posting on twitter they're like always on social media so yeah and i think it works for them because that's how people sort of relate to them more and then that's how they they grew their fan base and constantly feeding them content about like even like when they're on vacation i saw that they had released like little snippets of what they did when they were supposed to be on their vacation and completely shut off from any work <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's like they're always kind of plugged in which i feel like for me would probably be very exhausting but i mean i understand that the younger generation they're so they're so closely tied to social media in this in a different way than i was growing up so i can see maybe how they they it's more synonymous like their life and social media versus like for me like growing up we didn't really like the internet was still kind of starting up and things so it, it wasn't it wasn't like, you know, I have an Instagram at like 12, you know, <laughs> it wasn't like that for me. But I honestly kind of found myself getting a little bit bored with BTS when they went on vacation because <laughs> I was like, they didn't have any. I was like, they didn't do their schedule right. They should have been releasing run episodes during their vacation, stuff that they had already rec- recorded during the vacation. Yeah. So the fans would have something to hold on to now with that being said i think that the problem is with the young not even just the young generation but depending on how addicted to the, to the internet you are and how much you identify with these people and, and, and how much you use social media i feel like it becomes a problem where you start to see them as an extension of yourself exactly yeah and yes. that's where you get the crazy like um overly fanatic everything that bts does either has to be defended or infantilized or in some way like you have to like wear put on your beautiful bts colored cape for them yeah Yeah. you know what i mean and i think that the the interaction can work against you it it is a kind of like a fine line especially in today's era where you know fans want more and more and more and, you know, some idols and celebrities are willing to give it to them. And some are like, no, like Beyonce says, yeah, you, Beyonce. Will get, you will get what you get when I give it to you and you'll like See, it. Beyonce, <laughs> went to the, Beyonce went to what I like to call the 80s school of PR because all of our, our big, you know, legends from the 80s, they had this area era. Um, they had this um, air of mystique about them. Like yeah. they because what they did was they took a break. That's the biggest thing that they did. They would go away for years. Like, yep. I remember, well, I don't remember because I wasn't alive, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying this, you know, in terms of like, 
like between Thriller and Bad, that was like a five year span. Imagine if any K-pop artist took five years to come back. They'd be done. Like their career's over. <laughs> All the, like there, there's no way. There's yeah. just not, it's not happening. So I, I think that can also speak to the quality of music that we had back in those days with those artists. I don't think we're ever going to get that type of quality again. Um, even, you know, from artists who are really good artists these days. I, the only artists I can realistically see still being relevant years and years and years from now. Well, not necessarily still being relevant, but her music being timeless is Lizzo. In terms of artists that have like gotten big over the past couple years, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, because Juice, Truth Hurts, all of those songs kind of have a timeless feel about them. They do. They that do. It, it's hard to describe. Like kids, if you're listening to this, if you're a kid, obviously we have a lot of adults listening. But if you're under the age of, let's say, 21, um, when we say timeless music, think about what do you listen to every year? What comes on the radio every year in September? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You get one. Yeah. What comes on the radio every year during Halloween? What song yeah. do you hear during Halloween? What song is is the staple of Christmas? Right. You see what I'm saying? Those three songs: September, Thriller, and All I Want for Christmas Is You. Yep. Those. That's when we say timeless. That's what we mean. When yep. you hear it, it doesn't feel dated. It feels like. It feels pretty fresh. You it can does. tell that it's a little older because you got live instruments, which people don't do anymore. But the actual production, the love, the quality of the lyrics, all that stuff that went into it, it feels fresh. Yep. You can't, people just can't imitate that. So you when cannot. we talk about, when Bang PD is talking about, well, BTS is successful because of fan interaction, you have to understand that you know people have been saying this for years armies hated it when people said it because they go no they're they've got the music which to some extent they've got some good music right i just can't tell you if i'm gonna be listening to idol five ten fifteen years from now like it's a religion you know what i mean like it's it, it, it doesn't have its own time of year it's not gonna have its own month it's not you know what i mean it's not gonna get any of the special treatment that those three songs that i just named are gonna get so I think that what he said was spot on. I completely agree. That's the smartest thing I think Bank PD has ever said. <laughs> it's the only accurate thing I've ever heard him say. And it's something that I think, I hope that nobody's offended by it because it's just the facts. Like, yes, they have good music, but I think the bigger part here that people are missing out on is they have that social media presence. Oh, for sure. Uh, well, I think that he does say a lot of interesting things in this, in this um, article. So, like, the next thing he really talks about, like, they asked him, you know, like, you know, what's BTS's secret outside of that? And he pretty much was honest. And he's like, it was timing. You know, like, yep. we came, they came out in a time. Uh, let me actually just uh, look for the actual quote, because I don't want to misquote him. Because I think that he does say a lot of, like, really interesting, important things. Um, so he talks about... Um, when he started his company, physical album sales were going down and digital sales were not enough to sort of compensate for that. Uh, but K-pop, you know, they are steadily increasing physical album sales. We know how. <laughs> uh, <laughs> while there's also still making money off of concerts, which is where Westerners really make their money um, through uh, concerts is where they make huge amounts of money if you're successful yeah, enough. Yeah, they make a killing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so 
think this makes me think of Blackpink and how they had their Coachella thing. Mm-hmm. And while that's super cool and trendy to do, it's easy to become a festival artist. It's yeah. not easy to be like, it, it's easy to get stuck in sort of that trend of like just doing festivals or like doing small time stuff. Not small time. Coachella is not small time, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I get it. Having, okay. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, sorry. <laughs> no, I get, I get what you're trying to say about like, being there for all the big performances but like not really making money or yes uh, in the concerts and and you know through the streaming and the album sales and things like that you know i totally get it halfway selling an arena is not gonna work <laughs> no no but here's so basically um bang highlighted his luck and timing in order to sort of like say to i guess exemplify what makes bts unique uh, so I think it's important <laughs> because a lot of people like to try to deconstruct BTS's success in a lot of ways. Like it's because of this, it's because of that, it's because of that. And it's like at the end of the day, like it's really is down to luck in a lot of cases. <laughs> and I think people forget that luck is really sometimes all you need to be successful. And timing, timing was like great. Like there was a shift. You know, a lot of the older groups were getting old. People were going to the army. You know, a lot of times you guys talked about One Direction breaking up too. And like there being that void for like that international group to sort of come in as well too. So I think it was interesting that, and this is what I mean when I say that he's really humble in this interview. Like, I don't know anything really about Bang PD, but like if I went just by this article, I would say that he's like a really chill, like humble dude because he doesn't try to make it, like the way that you know a lot of the fanatical fans talk about bts is really really a huge turnoff but the way that bang pd talks about them in this article is just like fresh he's like honest you know like he's like yeah they're talented kids and you know like we work very hard but also you know there are things that are out of our control that helped us with our success and i actually really appreciated that uh where he didn't try to make it all about like the message you know uh so uh and So here's a controversial sort of um, part of the article. They were talking about the training system and how he found and trained the seven members of BTS. So he mentions like, you know, first it was RM, you know, Mm -hmm. and then how he was going to sign. He was going to start a hip hop idol group first or uh, a hip hop group. And then he decided, well, no, that's not going to get us the success that we want smartly. So he decided to focus more on idols. And then that left him with the three rappers that they had, which is RM Sugar and J-Hope. And then he went to look for, you know, someone to round out the, the members who had more idol-like quality. And I'd seen somebody on Twitter who was a little upset about that. I guess they thought it was, like, disrespectful to Jimin, to... Jungkook, and Jin. How? And Tay. Um, I guess because they were hired not because of, I guess... One aspect is that they weren't chosen, you know, automatically because of their talent, talent. their raw talent. It mm-hmm. was more so like, oh, well, we're looking for people who are idol-like. <laughs> uh, and <That's>, so... <laughs> I, you know what? That goes back to the whole, you know, people trying to separate whatever their group is from K-pop. Um, but the reality is every single K-pop group is pretty much built on that same premise i would say with the exception of i think most yg artists are i don't 
think any of them really kind of fit into the idol besides like no. blackpink like the yeah pre- obviously blackpink is just like a bunch of dolls basically exactly. but um i'm not saying that any i'm not saying that like 21 was not attractive group no i'm just saying that if you look at what was mainstream right yes and then you look at yg groups it's not the mainstream beauty standard no for idols no and i feel like if we like take away all the stars in our eyes and we actually analyze the vocal talents of their four vocalists, we'd understand more clearly what he is referring to when he says that they look for idol-like qualities um, in these guys because you know idol-like qualities really generally come down to looks. And the four guys that I mentioned, they're pretty much known, you know, obviously you know as singers and you know whatever but mm-hmm. for their looks as well like let's 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 be honest about no this. completely honest yeah. like, <laughs> like if we're being be completely yeah. real and i and people don't like to hear this but if you're being completely real um maknae line in bts is <laughs> pretty much all about their looks like i their their international stands love to be like oh look at this angelic voice that jimin has which is a a drag in and of itself but um they love to say like oh look they they sing like angels but the reality is nine i would say nine times out of ten if i'm seeing a voice a, a post about anybody in my line it's not about their talent it's about the way they look yeah and I, k-pop is you know it's an aesthetic it's very very mm-hmm. aesthetic heavy heavy so i, mean, I think mo- and that's not a, like you said it's not a knock to armies no oh, it's aesthetic heavy so yep. that's a lot of k-pop groups their that's- claim to fame is that they're attractive and that's a lot of musicians in general. Like, there's not a lot of musicians Actually, in the world that yeah. people are like ugly. That people are like, oh, I love him and he's ugly. <laughs> you know? like, <laughs> no. <laughs> so they asked about the distinguishing factors that set BTS on its unique path. And he he said it's their sincerity, consistency, and ability to embody the spirits of the time. And I I guess if I was younger, I would probably be able to connect to that a little bit more because they do talk a lot about their youth and like they're um, grappling with youth being young and in the modern world and stuff like that. Um, and that's not stuff that I could connect to because I'm clearly older than their demographic or, like, <laughs> or the, right. you know, than them. them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Than them as well too. Right. Um, but I did think that this was something that I could agree with because it always seems like no matter what they're doing, it always seems like stuff that they want to do. Like, this is what they, this is the music they want to put out. It's not like uh, other groups in other companies a lot of time where, like, Taeyeon hated almost every title track from Girls' Generation. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't know it when she performed it, but, like, in interviews, she's not a huge fan of the title tracks. Oh, no, that reminds me of, uh, that reminds me, there was this Run BTS episode, like, a couple months ago. Yeah. And um, Jin, they were, like, gifting each other gifts. And um, Jin was um it was his turn uh to receive his gift and i forgot who was giving it to him i think it was sugar um and and he was feeling like that like the packaging it was like this better not be one of our albums like <laughs> 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 and like you know you could take that as innocuously but i almost like the way he said it and how he was reacting towards like it just seemed like he really did not want a love yourself or, or sorry map of the soul persona album it really <laughs> just seemed like he didn't want one and um i feel like 
I feel like that happens a lot with I I would like to see if there's any K-pop groups that actually like the music that they're making most most of the time. Like I feel like this. If I like their music, they probably like their music. Like I can see Luna liking their own music or Shiny to some extent. I think there's a lot of Shiny music that they don't like. I can see like some of the more mature groups liking some of their songs, but a lot of these groups like I would be very shocked if um like Red Velvet liked any of their music, if Twice liked <laughs> a lot of their music. Yeah. I would be very shocked. Especially when you look at these people's favorite artists and their favorite artist is like Gucci Mane. Like, <laughs> I know you don't like your own music. <laughs> no, for sure. <laughs> for favorite track is, um, was it Purple Purple Rain? Who? Is that Gucci, Gucci Mane? Like, he has this like song that is kind of like Purple Rain by Prince, but it's about crack. Uh, oh, <laughs> I feel like I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I do know there's a song that goes bricks, all white bricks, off white bricks, light tan bricks. That song is it's called Bricks. It has is not very similar to Purple Rain at all, so I don't know why I'm mentioning it. But <laughs> okay, um, <Mom>. but yeah. <laughs> And so uh, there was also something um, that actually made me think that Bang PD has like a really good understanding of like the the West versus the East and how to navigate it. So they asked this question. There's a common perception that in K-pop, the music is manufactured by committee or that it's a top down system of adults giving material to young artists. Is that accurate? And I thought his answer was really interesting. He said, first, I believe in the West, there's this deeply embedded fantasy of the rock star. A rock star acts true to their soul and everyone must accept it as part of their individuality. And only through that does good music come. But in reality, devoting a long time to honing and training music related skills is a tactic used in many professional art worlds. Uh, ballerinas spend a long time in isolation, focused only on ballet. But you don't say you don't hear people say ballet lacks soul or is an art. So I think it's a matter of perspective. And I think this is really interesting because a lot of people get on people who don't write their own music. And sometimes I do too. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie um, before I give myself a reality check. But like, it almost comes down to me with like Whitney. Whitney didn't really write music, but she sang yep. those songs like she wrote them herself. Like she spent the time writing it. She spent the time in the studio playing every single instrument. Mm-hmm. You know, like she, she she created the tape that they recorded it on. Like she sang that song. Like she embodied every single aspect of the creation of that. Yeah. You know what I, who I notice is, are the people that usually use this argument is like the music elitist. They go, yes. I can't listen to pop or especially K-pop because they have no control in the musical process, which is not only patently untrue, but it's also like, not really relevant to the conversation. No. You don't have you don't have to have control in the process to be talented. No, it's true. Um, and I think that people really don't understand that making a pop hit is hard. It's not yes. like something that you just sort of create in your like, you know, like in 5 minutes and you just put it in the studio. Like creating the perfect pop song is not an easy task. No. So, I yeah, so he he also says, like, you know, a singer, speaking about Michael, like, he said a singer is foremost a performer and a good performance can convince audiences. So, I mean, that's kind of what we were talking about there with Michael and Whitney, you know, and, like, K-pop artists in general. Like, you don't have to create your music to own it. 
you know, like yeah. to own it, especially when you're on stage. And I like that he's using that approach with BTS, even though they do like there's also that huge inf- emphasis on the fact that they write and produce and like they do all the stuff with their music. But if they didn't, I mean, it'd be fine. <laughs> no, totally. Because that's the thing that I think a lot of people miss. Like you're totally right on that. Like one thing I will never take away from BTS is that they perform well. I think, I think that I don't, I think that they are on the upper echelon of K-pop performers. They definitely, I think, have the talent to be able to perform any of their songs to the best of their abilities. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I would agree. Like, I mean, I. Sometimes you just want to hear a song you want to hear you, regardless of like (laughs) how it's being performed or whatever, because it's a song that you like. So if you don't like a song, even if it's performed really well, it's like, well, I'm good, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I mean, this, come on. Or in, in some cases, a performance can save a song, like yeah. K-Tiger Zero. Yes. Of course. Yes. But there's many cases where it doesn't. Like, uh, what was that song we just listened to earlier? That's how bad the song was. I don't even remember it. Oh, there um, was many. Um, at AB6, there was ATs. There I, think was, it, I think it was ATs where we were yeah. commenting. I'm not saying the song was horrible. To me, it wasn't that good, but um, it wasn't absolutely horrible. Like it wasn't bottom of the barrel or nothing like that. It just wasn't really. It wasn't like like power up level for me, yeah. right? But it just wasn't there for me. But I, at the same time, like yeah, they performed pretty hard to it. But I just didn't. I wasn't getting anything special from it that made the that elevated the song. Your performance should always elevate your song. Yes, I and that didn't agree. happen. Yes. Um, And then I thought what was kind of interesting, because we did have a couple of discussions before about BTS and activism. Bang PD pretty much says that all he wants from his artists is that they're sincere. To make something up, I can't accept that. But neither the company nor I force an artist to speak out, to speak or not speak on any social issue. So I guess from that, we can sort of get to the point where we know that everything that BTS says is pretty much from them. And there shouldn't be any sort of oh well the company made them say this blah 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 um but there's an interesting part where he adds that i believe my role sorry when the artist wants to express something i believe my role is to refine the message in a way that expresses their sincerity and has commercial value so (laughs) so that's uh, a conflict okay i like i like this topic because yes it, it relates back to what we were talking about earlier with what's going on with the NBA in China. Because Commissioner Adam Silver, he's a commissioner of the NBA, he said something very similar where he said, you know, while I'm, he basically condemned the um, Houston Rockets owner for sending that tweet about Hong Kong. But in the same breath, he was like, however, I don't condemn his right to say what he said. And I believe in his right to freedom of speech. And I'm not disagreeing with what he said either so it's kind of like trying to like toe that line between we got to get this money but at the same time we kind of hold ourselves i know a lot of leagues are not like this but the nba holds itself to a very high standard in terms of being political and i really like that and i think to some extent this bank pd approach um is a little bit similar in terms of like letting his the people on his roster kind of had their own ideas but within the confines of like what's generally acceptable like i don't think you're gonna see bts going out doing anything too revolutionary right but at the same time i don't think you're gonna see them doing anything too extremely conservative even though the jim and adam bomb shirt was a little bit yeah that was that was a whoa there moment right 
I think the last thing that I want to mention or touch on from this article is that uh, they asked them about sort of like the next steps and mm -hmm. and about the army, obviously, because where would they be without their armies? And so he mentions that they call them like the Beatles of K-pop or like the Beatles of the YouTube era. And so he said he wanted to protect that honorable title and remain heroic figures down the line like the Beatles. Uh, so to get there, it would be good if BTS could continue to receive recognition in major global arenas. It would be nice to get some reaction from the Grammys. ARMY has, lo uh, has long awaited a BTS performance at the Grammys. I was fortunate to become an Academy member, so I'd love to discuss this further with the Grammys team because I believe that we have something symbolic to contribute. So people seem to think, think that the BTS are going to win a Grammy and that that's going to be, I guess, the ultimate level of validation from the West. I remember that year that Bon Iver won that Grammy. Do you remember that? Uh, no, because I stopped watching the Grammys after oh. Beyonce got shut out. <laughs> it just seems like it's more of a, I don't know. It's I don't. I didn't even think the Grammys were like that huge of a deal in the in Korea. To be honest, yeah, I was so. like, people care about the Grammys in Korea. Yeah, like there's literally so many different award shows inside and out of Korea. You would think that those hold more weight. Yeah. But I guess it's like maybe it's akin to like the Oscars being like this, this sort of like peak or pinnacle of success in films, regardless of where you're from. Like so That's a lot of like of international true, countries but then try to get in. I feel like music award shows, nobody really cares about them anymore. No. And I, I would say that more of the bigger reason that they're even like at the Grammys and they're doing, they're able to do these things is because of ratings. And because nobody's mm -hmm. watching these shows anymore because they're not they're not realistic <laughs> like, uh, but uh, I think we have just one more topic and it was oh, I wanted it? to save the best for last <laughs> and it is Super M on Ellen oh, that really yes. is the best yes so I have to say that I think how ridiculous the, the word dropping is and just like <laughs> how, how like you know SME has handled like the promotions and how different it is and things like that it's actually like made k-pop a lot better for me like I feel like the ridiculousness of of k-pop in a lot of ways like in the not to say that in a derogatory manner because I really don't mean it in a derogatory manner but like when I got into k-pop it, it felt like it was three years behind and I think that was like a kish or a kishy part of it that I actually really liked and dropping sort of reminds me of that and like obviously the whole jumping and popping equals dropping thing is kind of ridiculous in itself so yeah I, it, it it there's like so many people who are having fun with it and i love that and i love that everybody's like making these joke these these corny ass dropping jokes <laughs> and they're like yeah just having a good time of it like there's not a lot of there's no squabbling that i can see i mean i'm obviously i'm not all over the internet but from what i can see there's not a lot of squabbling you know we don't even care about numbers like everybody's just like having a good time like watching you know their performances watching them do their american interviews and it's sort yeah. of making me like members that i wasn't really like i didn't know existed or i wasn't really a fan of before so see? i personally like super like i i did think i was gonna like the song anyways but i'm actually loving the experience of it more so than see? anything else this is the super M agenda at work. 
Um, <laughs> I'd like to thank Lee Suman for like organizing all of this, coordinating this, Renette. This is incredible. Um, I completely agree with you. I think that, of course, I like the album. Th- this is fun. I think what it's done is it's brought fun back to K-pop in many different type of ways for me. Yes. First and foremost, like you said, it, it's very refreshing that I'm not saying that their music doesn't have some sort of deep message, right? Yeah. But it's not like they are making that their thing. Like we no. are the deep message people. They're having fun. And I think what makes it even more fun is you're seeing members who you're kind of used to seeing them as like reserved or something like that. You're seeing them like really smile and laugh and be happy. And like Kai, I, I'm so used to seeing him kind of like reserved and a little bit like shy, but he's like glowing. Okay. In America. And Mark is hilarious in America, which it's so funny because when he's with NCT, he's the same person, but it's like there's this different spark about them when they're together. They have a good group chemistry. They so really do. I like watching their group interviews. It's really cool that it's not it's not like super awkward where with like a lot of English interviews with K-pop, it can be yeah. really awkward because of the language barrier. But they've got two fluent English speakers and then everybody else is making an effort to speak English in interviews. And exactly. like when they went on Beats 1 and Taemin did his little English segment, he was so proud of himself. And I was proud of him too. Because I was like, you know what? He's been wanting to do that for so long. He's always said that he wants to communicate with his American fans and his fans in English. He, I think how he specifically said American fans, not saying that he doesn't want to communicate with Canadian, but that's just what I remember <laughs> in saying. It's fine. Um, but um, it's just so fun seeing this whole wild ride happen. And then they are also, they, you know, they're kind of innovative in some ways. What I think what helps with making it fun is that the fan bases, like the, the Super M fan base is not taking them too seriously. No one is. Not at all. Like, I have actually seen more people be exasperated with them, like, in a playful way. Like, when Bacon was on Ellen, and he was like, my name is Bacon, but you can call me Bacon. And, like, fans were literally, like, like, EXO fans were like, it took us two years to get rid of that stupid meme. And here he is, <laughs> bringing it back. <laughs> That, that reminds me of um that reminds <laughs> that reminds me of how like um NCT fans were roasting Mark because he got an attitude with Ellen. Like he was like, Why do you always ask people if they're dating? And like <laughs> Oh, and like did you see the memes about Kai? Like um Ellen when Ellen asked if everybody was like single, all the members like Tiang was like, Yeah, like everybody was like, Yeah, we're single, whatever. And Kai was like, Silence, because he's like the dating guy. He dates, yeah, he's face steady dating idols. So, yeah, and then when, when he, when you know, I had never seen this happen before when yeah. he said, No, Ellen, you're gonna job. Like when he, when he yeah. said, You're not gonna sit down, you're gonna job. That was so funny. Like, I just feel like the fact that they can inspire these interactions and they're also making a lot of quick friends over in America with like yeah. people in high places. The fact that they gave Ellen $50,000 and she looked general, like genuinely shocked. Yeah. Like I think obviously you can, you can, people can say what they want about that move. Yeah. I thought it was a pretty interesting move to make because if at the very least, what this is going to do is give them unlimited access to come on the Ellen show whenever they want. Of course. Which is like a free promo tool to millions of like m- Americans who are watching that show. 
Did you uh, watch the performances as well? I did. I did. How did you think about, like, what did you think about them? Um, if I'm remembering correctly, they, it sounded like what they did with Jopping was they uh, did live vocals that were recorded. Yes, pre-recorded, right? Pre-recorded live yeah. vocals. But yeah. that still is a really good move because a lot of K-pop artists, they either completely lip sync or do completely live. Yeah. And so for them to do the pre-recording, I thought was very smart. The choreo is hard hitting. You're on national TV. You who knows how many chances you're going to get to do this. So might as well make it sound live. But obviously anybody who can recognize it would know that it wasn't live. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm still kind of interested to see that how they perform it live. Like maybe they'll do it more so at their concerts than these promotional things that they've been doing lately. Uh, oh, so. I was on Twitter, though, and (laughs) somebody from the Super M fandom has said that their fandom name so far is Spermies. What Uh, do you think about that? (laughs) I prefer the Avengers Assemble thing, honestly. Um, You know what? I think if they're going to go with an appropriate name, it should be something like more like... uh, Because if their name is sperm, it should be like jars or something. I don't know. Like it should be something that is like plays off of that. Like it could be eggs. That would be weird. But (laughs) (laughs) Um, I kind of like the idea of like a name that's not plural, that can't be pluralized. Okay. I haven't seen a good nickname yet, like a good fandom nickname. And maybe that is going to be a new trend that they can start, like not doing fandom nicknames necessarily. Yeah, maybe. I I was just like on Twitter and someone's like they called themselves Spermies and I was like, um what? And some the person responded to me and they're like, Yep, this is what we're calling ourselves for right now until they give us an official name. I was like, Oh, okay. So we're it really just be- not taking them seriously. That's great. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> no, I like the the whole not taking them seriously thing. I think that's pretty funny. I just think that I just don't think that the Spermies is that creative. I think you can get way more creative on the inappropriate end. Yeah, I've heard a lot of different ones that were like more creative and a lot more inappropriate. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I'm just loving like how fun it is and how everybody is retweeting memes and just like having a good time and like whatever they do, like record wise, they're going to do record wise. I don't I don't really care at the point. Yeah, (laughs) we're not adding the New York Times about how (laughs) this is a major moment in musical history or whatever dumb stuff. We don't care. <laughs> we just want in it for the fun. Yeah, it's just it's all fun. And I honestly feel like Super M and Lee Sumana have. Did you see when Lee Sumana came on their Instagram Dancing. live with that uh freaking Swag. champagne glass looking like an old pit? Apparently, he I didn't was like, know they were on live. So that's why like uh, an employee ran to him and told yeah, him. Yeah, and pulled him. <laughs> I was like, this is somebody. Somebody come get your, your grandpa. <laughs> Oh, so ridiculous but i love it and yeah i'm i'm really enjoying the, the best part about this is that it's making me have like a soft spot for lee suman yeah which i think i'm about to become like, a mm, i don't think i'll ever go that far but i get you it don't, you don't think we'll ever go that far oh i don't think i will ever go that far <laughs> to like become go a lee suman stan or anything like oh, that. Oh no, I'm right, not right. gonna become a Lisa Mon Stan. I'm gonna become a Lisa Mon student girl. I'm oh. trying to learn how to scam at his level. <laughs> okay. The, the, that's the number one scammer in K-pop history. Yeah, that's true. That's true. 
also too i like the fact that like i i heard that they had like this is all alleged. I'm not sure if this is true listeners, but I heard that they were like getting things together with Marvel and Disney and stuff like that to like do something further with the, with the idea of the Avengers of K-pop, which I don't care how corny it is. I really like superhero stuff. Oh, I do too. I love it. Like I, I I totally get it. I hope they do something with them. That that would be crazy. awesome. Oh my God. Mark, he could, he could really be a voice actor for like some kid character in one of these movies. Yeah, I think so too. He has a voice I would for it. love and that. the energy, the energy and the too. energy. Yep. Yeah. But yes, Super M is exciting. They're bringing excitement to K-pop. That was actually yeah. More last... more groups need to uh, do what um not as what Super M is doing, and to some extent, what um, Master X did with getting on We Bear Bears. So like, yeah. if Super M could get something like that, yes. All right, That's enough for the people. So, yep. <laughs> uh, do you have any shout outs? Shout out to Super M, of course, all day, every day. Long hair, Jungkook. We want to see it. Shout out to Taman, always. K Tiger Zero. I will, I will get your name right. I really, <laughs> I promise. I'm so sorry. That was a, a mistake and oversight. Shout out to Giannis. Giannis is about to be a dad, allegedly. A good for so, them. Congratulations. Yes. That's really it. That's all I have to say. Uh, shout out to everybody who make this uh, possible, including my fellow podcasters, Nat, Ash, and Jay. Yeah. Uh, so shout out for me. I don't actually think I have any shout outs. Like I, you mentioned pretty much Super M, which, yeah, great. Uh, shout out to A Tease for Wonderland, which I really did enjoy. One of my favorite songs so far uh since our last episode really <laughs> uh shout out to dreamcatcher first you know silent night and deja vu bops bops to the extreme shout out to big bang because you know i was listening to some older big bang songs and i absolutely fell in love with them all over again and i mean i know there's a lot of scandals and a lot of just negativity around them and a lot of it is justified some of it's not so much and you know i i just hope that jiang comes back from the army and he is well and he is away from potential stalkers in the army and he you know gets to focus on his music again mm-hmm. i i'm really i'm really excited to see the next stage in in his career and like what they have to do uh, like as a group to get back because the K-pop landscape is so much different than what it was when they started going to the army. It has mm-hmm. changed drastically and it's like constantly changing at this point. Uh, and yeah, you know, shout out to you guys for listening and yes, liking and following and, you know, commenting. And we welcome all comments, you yeah, know, as do. long as they're constructive and not just like, F you, you guys suck, die, you know, like. None of that stuff. No one wants to see any of that. I wish there were like filters where you could automatically delete any comment that like yeah. told you to take your own life in some sort of way. Yeah, I wish I wish that was the case too. Uh, and you know what, guys? I know we say that we're always like bringing you content like, and we have stuff in the works, but we actually do have stuff in the works. But we're busy people. Like, you know, we do this for fun and we um, hope to bring some light into the dreary world that we're unfortunately stuck in wait uh, i want to shout out one more thing oh okay okay shout, <laughs> shout out to 17 for the uh, second biggest album of the year Woo. 
but yeah, we do have some special things in the works and hopefully we can start sharing that with you guys soon. And yeah. uh, we're trying to be more consistent, as you can tell, you know, catch us on Friday, Friday, Friday afternoon slash evening for our podcast. Uh, you know, it might not be a regular episode every Friday. We do have some special episodes that we have recorded. And next week's episode is going to be fantastic. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's the one we did. Oh, they're not going to hear They're going to hear this after that one then. Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, Last week's right. episode is oh, going to be right. fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping all right. this in too. This thinking. is funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I keep forgetting like how these like we're recording this so yeah yes okay, I know guys. so the last episode that's the before this is is one that I hope you guys really enjoy because me and Jimin uh <laughs> we really um talked a lot <laughs> that I'm a part about, about five songs on a mini two yeah we talked for like two hours about that two of which are like three minutes long <laughs> yeah we're trash but we're like fancy trash yeah exactly like the stainless steel kind exactly good for the environment good for the earth voice uh, activated yes <laughs> uh and yeah i if you guys have any recommendations suggestions anything you guys can reach out to us um on twitter you can find us at n-y-a-n edizens <laughs> uh and you can find us in shop on spotify which uh is it no sorry not spotify sorry soundcloud i was gonna say yeah. uh okay so we should be on spotify yeah we need to get on spotify yeah, look into that guys for the future yep. but we're on soundcloud so you guys can find us at not your average netizens and uh, anywhere pretty much so you can find a podcast you should be able to find us yeah. And you can email us notyouraveragenesis at gmail.com and we want you guys look, th- now that you know our email, even though you've been knowing because we say it in every episode <laughs> <laughs> you can we're thinking mm, send us some of your uh, hot takes Yeah, that you want us to read on air yeah, um, you can, cool. yeah, we can read it anonymously and we can read it and discuss it and talk about if we agree, disagree, and, and all of that. Yeah. And and uh, the point is that it's all going to be anonymous. So yes. <laughs> no names, no nothing, no judgment. It's going to be just like, whatever you guys think, we'll, we'll say it on the air and we can discuss it. And, yep. you know, I'm sure that there's going to be a positive for every opinion. So don't don't fear, unless it's like actual, like 100% trash. And then, you know. We'll try. We'll try to find the silver lining. But yeah, if it, it, yeah, if it's something like uh, I support Sangri, look, sis, I, I don't know what you gonna want me to say about that because I don't have anything too positive, too positive to say about that. But, but we'll, we'll try. We'll try. Yeah, we'll try. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. Please reach out to us. Yep. Uh, but yeah, that is it for us. Uh, and have a great night, guys. Yes, have a great rest of your day because you're probably gonna hear this in the afternoon or the morning. Yeah. All right, guys. Have a good rest of your day. Bye. Bye. Have a safe drive in your car because I know some of you are driving. All right. Bye. Bye. (laughs)